welcome to this Sunday morning meeting podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by Paul Abel. Let's just stay in this place with, with God. If you could just continue to minister. We'll work together this morning. Hallelujah. We're going to kind of hear from the word and worship at the same time. So feel free to stand or sit or lie on the floor. However, you can go on in a place of encountering God. And we'll go from the word into worship. And we'll let Jesus minister because he wants to meet with every person in this room this morning. He wants you to experience him today. That you would know the truth, not just as an idea, but that you would know the truth as you would know a person whom you're in love with. So please don't sit down with, oh, it's time for the sermon. Except that that would be, I sit down because I'm about to receive from Jesus. Try very hard to focus on Him this morning. If you're able to and you're not looking after small children as you do it, you may find it helpful just to close your eyes. Many will find it helpful to raise their hands. And change your position as we go through this time together. If you're sitting right now, later on, maybe you'll stand in His presence. Or maybe you'll just want to walk up and down as you're just so full of His energy. Or maybe that'll be the time when, do you remember the Hebrew word, shokor, or shaka, which means to be prostrate before God. That complete position of humiliation that becomes the highest point we can ever be in our walk with God. Because we surrender everything to Him. Hallelujah. We're going to look in this ministry time this morning. In Psalm 42. I would say don't turn to it. I would normally say turn to it because it's helpful to read the word. But I want you to let the words of that psalm wash over you today minister to you today and for you to use them to encounter him I see the Lord releasing people from depression in this room this morning there's a lot of people that won't even admit that that's a place where they are it can be mild and it can be severe but the Lord is here to heal fears and anxiety are going to melt this morning in this place This time of ministry is a time of healing. Last week, God ministered as we listened to his story, his true account of the totally unacceptable, as far as the religious people were concerned, the totally unacceptable woman lay down at the feet of Jesus and wept over his feet and washed them with her hair in an incredibly intimate act of worship. And the religious thought, this Jesus isn't a prophet after all because he doesn't realize that this woman is a prostitute, that this woman shouldn't be at the feet of a teacher of God, this woman shouldn't be at the feet of a prophet of God. Little did they know 
that the woman was at the feet of God. And his reaction was total and complete acceptance. Psalm 42, it says, it's a psalm of the sons of Korah. We don't really know much about them. Although in Chronicles it does refer to the sons of Korah as the gatekeepers. And I think that's a great term to join with this morning because we are gatekeepers. This is a room full of gatekeepers. And I believe the Holy Spirit, that's why I've stepped into the worship unusually at this point, wants us to think about our role of gatekeeper in the past week or two. What does a gatekeeper do? Well, if you've ever been out on a Friday or Saturday night in Scarborough, they're not that, dis- that distant or a, uh, a job to the door staff. Old-fashionedly called bouncers. I once went down to the one on this side, the Scarborough Flyer, and the bouncer, the door staff, wouldn't let me in until I took my hat off. Because according to their rules, I was inappropriately dressed. I didn't have the right attire to be allowed in. They also won't let you in or they shouldn't let you in if you're drunk. If you've had too much to drink, they'll turn you away. If your reputation is dodgy, you've been reported on the radios of the trouble you've caused somewhere else, they won't let you in. Once I took my hat off, I was allowed in. I was acceptable. They were doing their job. They were following the guidance that they'd been given. And we have that kind of an authority to allow in or to not allow in. To allow in the things of God and to refuse the things that are not of God. We have that authority over our own lives. We have that authority over our community. And we have that authority over our town and our, our region because it's an authority that God has given to us in Him. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to reflect on this over the past couple of weeks. Because, as I said, he, the, the purpose that God has for us today is to encounter Him, to meet with Him, to experience Him. And therefore, we are changed, healed set free this can this always happens if you encounter God you cannot meet such a strong force of life and not be changed but sometimes we have to be aware of what kind of a gatekeeper have I been this week it's not that we ever make ourselves unacceptable to God we'll always be able to sit at his feet just like that woman did. If we're ever in a place where we're about to be stoned for what we've done, Jesus will be the one there to take the stones first. Because he's already done that. That's what he did on the cross. 
all the curses, all the insults, all the sickness, all the disease. He stands in the way with his arms outstretched and says, that one's for me. That one's for me. Cancer comes your way and God says, that one's for me. Shame comes your way and Jesus says, I'll take that. That's for me. Because on the cross, he bore all our shame and all our sicknesses. They came upon him. Because he was perfect, the power that they have was destroyed. The sickness and the disease was broken. The shame was cleansed. The fear was removed. The depression was limited. When depression comes your way, Jesus stands in the gap and says, I'll have that. That belongs to me now. That's not yours. It doesn't belong to you. When depression grips us and fear and anxiety takes hold of us, it can become our very identity and to let go of it can be incredibly painful because it's become who we are. But it's not who you are in Christ. It's not who you truly are. Let me have that, says Jesus. Sometimes it can be cut away quickly. And sometimes Jesus gently peels away the dragon skin. To allow that new person to emerge. But know this. That depression, that fear, that anxiety. It's not yours. That sickness and disease, it's not yours. We so often will say, oh, for example, oh, my bad back. No, it's not your bad back. The back that God gave you is perfect and good. He says, give me your bad back. I've paid for that. But sometimes as we live out as gatekeepers, we allow things in. That example is an example of going around saying, oh, I have a trouble with my back. While there could be truth in that that has been your experience, it is a gate we need to shut. We don't take ownership of it. When somebody gives, when something is wrong with your body, never say, oh, this is my sickness. You can say this is what has been diagnosed. But don't take personal ownership of it because it's not yours. It's Jesus's. That's right. And some have allowed things in the past couple of weeks in that shouldn't have come in. And maybe you've kept out things that should have been kept out. And maybe there are things that you should have allowed in. Maybe someone complimented you and out of a false humility you kind of rejected it maybe God's been telling you how much he loves you and because you know what you're like what you've been through you don't allow him to love you you feel you're not good enough you feel you're not ready shut the door on that and open the door open the gate to his love Hallelujah. Sometimes we open the gate to things of the enemy 
by the words that we use. It's not that we need to get frightened of this. But it's when we recognize what we're doing, we shut the gate. Have you used words in the past week or so to someone you care about, someone you love, that were unkind and cruel or judgmental? Why would you speak and give authority to the enemy? Close that door right now. Ask for forgiveness. And go and open up a door of forgiveness. I'm sorry I said that. I was feeling afraid. I was feeling insecure. I was feeling anxious. Whatever the reason was, there can be very valid reasons why. But we still open the door that we don't want to open. Shut the door. So easy. We all do it. Let's not pretend that we're all perfect Christians who never say anything unkind or cruel in the heat of the moment. Usually the worst words we reserve for those we love the most. Because we know how to hurt them. We know their weaknesses. And in a moment we can be cruel. Let's shut the door on all that. ask the Holy Spirit now to show you any doors you've opened of negativity or of unkindness so that they can be shut. There are many clubs you could go to, smarter ones in big cities where if you're not dressed correctly you're not going to be let in. I was dressed incorrectly in Scarborough by having a trilby. <laughs> but it might be that you have to wear a tie or a suit or you're not allowed to wear jeans. They all have these rules. You need to know right now that as somebody who knows Jesus, you have a robe of righteousness to be placed around your shoulders that means you are correctly dressed to go right in not to the nightclub but the most holy place because that's where we're going this morning as we shut these gates and open the right gates we can also use this over our church community have you complained about people you know this week? Shut that gate. Ask for forgiveness. Did you join in with some gossip by listening to it? I deliberately said it like that. Some people feel they haven't taken part in the gossip because they didn't say anything. But did you listen? And carry on listening. Shut that gate. Say, no, I'm sorry, Lord. I, I shouldn't have taken that on board. That, that was wrong and there was no substance in that. Or maybe you've spread a gossip. Shut that gate right now. And open the gate where you speak the things of God over this church and its community. Even the people that you struggle with.
because we struggle with many different kinds of people as God shows us how we need to change. Open that gate of forgiving one another, bearing with one another, loving one another, sharing with one another, carrying burdens for one another, ministering to one another. So many one another's. Because you cannot be a Christian unless you're in the body of Christ. God is not alone. God is Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Even God lives in community. And yet in that community he wanted it to extend. And so he created a man. And then he said it's not good for that man to be alone. He needs someone else. And a woman was created. And they were given the instructions to multiply so that they would never be alone, but community. The plans of God always conclude us being part of something much bigger than who we are. If you'd like to know Jesus today, look into the eyes of the people around you that's where he lives we're the gatekeepers like the sons of Korah Psalm 42 in a minute you may be surprised if you don't know it because this is a psalm with a lot of sadness it's a lament you see having shut the gate we are not untruthful about how we are we just don't continually give it permission. We shut the gate on continuously confessing, I am sick, I am anxious. But we don't pretend before God, and that can include when we're with others that are helping us and ministering to us, we don't pretend before God that it's not there if it's there. That just leaves us in a complete world of Unreality and very uncomfortable place. If you feel miserable, you're miserable. If you feel depressed, which is a completely different thing, you are depressed. There's usually a black cloud you just feel you can't escape through. You want to go out and meet people, but you don't want to meet any people. Or your energy just feels drained from you. Then that before God is what you admit. It's what you say. So let's read this psalm. Originally, Psalm 42 and 43 were just one. So we'll read both. Even as these guys just continue to worship their hymns. Continue to lift something there 
Dave will balance the sound out at the back, so don't be afraid of being too noisy. It's a bit like we're singing a chorus or a song that was written two and a half thousand years ago. Isn't that incredible? How long ago this was written? Have words that ancient that we can just read. It's unbelievable, really, isn't it? As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with my God? My tears have been my food day and night. While men say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, my very being. I remember how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God. I remember being in the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving. So, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Saviour and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazir, deep course to deep, in the roar of your waterfall, so your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. And yet I say to God my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taught me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you so downcast on my soul? Why are you disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for yet I will praise Him, my Saviour and my God. Vindicate me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation that I live in. Rescue me from deceitful and wicked men. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Send forth your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. I will go to the altar of God, to God my joy and my delight. I will praise you with a harp. Oh my God, my God, why are you so downcast on my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Saviour and my God. Let's just stand for a, little, a while and just come into the presence of God. Then we'll unwrap a little bit more, I believe, of what God wants us to say. Let's just come into that place of worship where deep course to deep in the roar of His waterfalls as that water washes over you. Let's stand together and just worship Him right now.
forward. You see, names are very important. Names give authority. We ourselves minister in the name of Jesus. It means in his place. And our job as gatekeepers is to open the gate in the name of Jesus to all the things that are of heaven. Your kingdom come here on earth, Lord, as it is in heaven. I open that gate. I open that door to everything that is of God. His love, his peace, his joy, his kindness, his gentleness, his peace. Oh, his peace that stills fear. And I close the door on other names that would rise up in my life. Other names, as we have so mentioned before, like fear, like anxiety, like depression, like cancer, like Alzheimer's. These are all names. Often behind those names is something spiritual. And we stand against those names saying, there is no other name that has authority in my life except the name of Jesus. And as gatekeepers, we firmly close the door. To, we, close a, we close the door to all the things that are not of God. I will not allow anxiety to dictate my life. You may be like the psalmist saying, I, I feel so, if it was anxiety, I feel so anxious. I feel so terrified. I, oh, I don't know if I, yet I will praise the God. I will praise my God. You may walk out your front door feeling, I'm full of fear, I'm full of anxiety, yet I will praise my God. Because praise is the answer to depression. Praise is the answer to all these things. Because it establishes the name of Jesus above all these other names. Anything that would come against you has a name. And whether it's natural or supernatural, to be honest, is irrelevant. Because the door is shut in the name of Jesus. The only things you're letting through that door are the things of God. A happy marriage, I'm letting it in. Finding a partner that God has for me, I'm letting that right on in. Living a single life dedicated to God. If that's his plan for me, I'm letting it right on in. Divorce, I'm shutting the door on that. That does not exist in God. Some of us will have been through that. That's not an item for shame. That's an item for restoration. I'm shutting the door to speaking things out of my fear and anxiety that release negativity in lives of other people. I'm shutting the door to all the things that come from my depression and opening the door to all the things that come from the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Jesus. So we will, as that prophetic song was saying, speak over our lives at no other name but the name of Jesus. No other name but the name of the Lord. Because only that name is worthy of power and glory and honor. I will not give other names power in my life. I will not give other names glory in my life. I will not give other names honor by speaking them over my life, over my church, over my community. Because I'm shutting the door on the enemy and opening the door to the Lord. Because I am a gatekeeper. I am a watch person. 
I am the city watch on the walls. And I will make sure the gates are open for the things of God and shut to the things that are not of God. No other name but the name of Jesus, the name of the Lord, the name of God will be in authority in my life.
psalmist begins despite the fact that he's struggling with the, what's going on around him it's probably been written in exile but we don't know for sure but whatever he's going he's going through it's rough but he starts because he starts where he knows he is despite feelings and other voices that would rage against it knows that within him still even in his driest moments there is that desire and that thirst for God you see it's in all of you right now I could say come on church we've got a thirst for him but you know what it's there sometimes we just need to open that gate and admit this is there there's something I want more I will, I, I'm, I'm thirsty for more of God and the picture is of a deer being probably, in mind he's got the deer or the heart being hunted through the forest. And the deer is just desperate for that long drink in a stream so that she can refresh herself and continue. And sometimes it can feel like the enemy is hunting us down. What well, we need to take a long drink because the water of life is where our energy comes from. We can join this psalmist. And this psalmist is not some super spiritual, oh God's the answer to everything, therefore I'm wonderful. He's being very realistic here. He's acknowledging, he's lamenting his situation. But his cry is for God. Sometimes this would be thought by some of perhaps a psalm of immaturity. I want you to know it's a psalm of maturity. Your greatest growth will come from the times that are most difficult. I don't really know why. Maybe it's because those are the times we have to go to God. We have to depend on Him. My wife, Kate, was preaching yesterday and she's preaching today and I heard that yesterday morning was amazing just the depth of her experience well I pray that we all have that depth of experience but I know that Kate's depth of relationship with God has come through being told you're going to die of cancer three different times and having come through and there were times, many times, in all of those battles, where doubt was huge in our lives. And we just had to drink from that street. There was nothing else. And Kate allowed that disastrous news and that destruction within her, she allowed it to cause her to be even more dependent on God. And miraculously, she's been freed from it each time. Different ways, from outright miracle to long treatment. The psalmist says, my tears have been my food day and night. That to me really speaks that this guy is suffering from depression. Because when you're truly depressed, 
you don't even want to eat. It just seems pointless. You just eat to survive. Of course, it's different experience for different people, but... Where can I go and meet with God, he asks. It feels like God is a million miles away. One of his great pressures is that the people that are around him are just saying to him, where is your God? You see, he lived in a a pagan culture. And so if he was in Babylon, we don't know, but let's say, or any of the surrounding nations would have been similar. If he'd said the same question to them, well, where is your God? They would have pointed to an idol, said it's there. Or maybe if he said it to some others, they would say, it's up there. And they would point at the sun. That's my God. So where's yours? I can't see him. And he would have known that his God was the creator of that. And he would have known that idols are worthless. We have modern idols from where we get our meaning and our direction. It could be social media. It could be somebody else's opinion. It could be a friend's opinion. It could be something you read in a book. But when it becomes over you, more than God's word, it's an idol. It's a God. And because it is not from God, it will not release anything helpful into your life. Which is why God says, you shall have no other idols before me. It can be money. We can worship money. The capacity to go and earn money. It can even be our ministry. What we do for God. It becomes so important to us. When God says, I want you to do this now, we can't let go of it. Or we pursue that ministry in a way that we think will get us released into a greatness when God has told us to be somewhere completely different where we don't seem to be so recognized. If God has called you to greatness, you will always go through smallness. Because your character must be one that he can use. If people are given great power without character, it's messy. Even on Twitter. Let the Lord speak to you. psalmist writes next these things I remember as I pour out my soul as I pour out my innermost being to God I remember how I used to go with the multitude into the house of God this is a good thing to remember you're in the house of God we are the house of God here this morning but when you're in a bad place remember this place and remember your place not just here but your place in the most holy place with God but there's something significant here that he says with the multitude because our relationship with God is enriched 
by others, not detracted from. There's no going it alone in the scripture. These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving. You don't just shout for joy because you're joyful. You don't just give thanksgiving because you're feeling thankful. We're full of joy because of what Jesus has done and we let it out. We open that gate that says, I am full of joy. It doesn't show very well at the moment, I admit that. The look on my face does not show joy, maybe you're thinking. But I'm going to open the door anyway. I don't feel like giving thanks for anything. He didn't feel like giving thanks for anything at this point. I don't know what he's going through, but he doesn't feel like giving thanks. But he's trying to get back to that place by remembering the times he's given thanks. Sometimes we just have to work our way back to a place of thanksgiving. You know, sometimes we just have to say, I'm not feeling thankful, I'm feeling frustrated. That's good. You've been honest before God. But don't go around all week saying to everybody, I'm frustrated. Get some time where the streams are And try and open that gate of thanksgiving again. Thank you, God, I'm terrible, but I am alive. Thank you, God, I ate today. Thank you, I've got a bed to sleep in. Thank you, I've got a roof over my head. Thank you that today I am not starving. Thank you that tomorrow I'm highly unlikely to be starving. Thank you, in fact, this week I'm highly unlikely to end up starving with no food. Thank you that this week I will have a home. Such normal things that are not necessarily normal to many people in this world right now. Because thanksgiving opens up the gate to the presence of God. We need to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. It's so easy because the world teaches us to focus on the little negative things and we forget there's all this positive. The route to healing is thanksgiving. The route to breaking these things off is thanksgiving and praise. Hallelujah. But start where you're at. If you'd say I can't praise, then remember a time when you have. And yet, he's remembering this and then he comes back to it again. Why are you so downcast, my soul? He's talking to himself. Why are you so disturbed within me? Still talking to himself, he says, put your hope in God. He's telling himself, but you're hoping God, self. That hope that's beyond faith. That hope that knows that Jesus has good things for you. For I will yet praise him, my Saviour, my God. I'm going to praise him. I'm not allowing these other things to dictate my lifestyle. I'm going to praise God and overcome those things that have dragged me down that come in and sabotage my life. So many of us have things which are our weakness that come in to try and sabotage our walk with God and sabotage our happiness. Just recognize them and think, how do I go past them? Praise. Thanksgiving. Encountering God, which is what's happening in this place right now this extended time of ministry that we've been having. Drink from the stream right now. What does that mean when preachers say that? 
It means concentrate on Jesus and don't be thinking about all the other things. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore I will remember you. And he talks about the land of Israel. He remembers the place of the promised land. He remembers, in other words, the promises of God. When you're downcast, dig out that prayer journal. Dig out those bits of paper that you've kept stuffed in a Bible, maybe. Dig out the bits of memory that are still there, of promises that have been spoken over you. The promises from God, so that you can look at them and read them and say, these are to come. I will not allow them to be stolen from me. Sometimes they take a long time. Abraham and Sarah waited 25 years for that baby. That's a long time. And then you get this verse, which has always been a favorite of mine. Deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers were swept over me. You know, in the context, there's different ways to look at what he's saying when he says deep calls to deep. It's obviously referring to the deep things of God. But what's the other deep? It's the deepness of himself, the deepness of his depression. The deepness of his rejection, the deepness of his unhappiness, the deepness of his sickness, the deepness of the issues of his mental health, the deepness of everything that's gone on inside him. The deepness of God reaches down and is there. In fact, it doesn't even reach down because however low you go, he's there. Just as however high you go, he's always there. However low you go, he's there. He's not scared of your sadness. He's not scared of your anxiety. He's not scared of your fear. It doesn't put him off you. It doesn't cause him to judge you. It doesn't cause him to reject you. He just wants you to begin the journey out of it. But if you decide not to, he'll still be with you. If you say, I don't know how to get out of it. I don't know how to begin the journey out of where I am at. It begins with thanksgiving and praise, which may be one of the hardest things to do for you at that moment. But that's where the journey out begins. Deep, cause to deep. In the roar, in the roar, of the waterfall the waterfall represents that outpouring of water suddenly because he has been seeking God it's no longer just a stream to drink from but it's a great pouring of water and if you stood under a waterfall it will smash you deep into the pool if you fall down the waterfall and you're right under the waterfall the power of this waterfall is going to smash you underneath deep, deep, deep down into the pool And you think, well, that doesn't sound like God. Yes, he's going to drown you. He's going to drown that flesh. He's going to drown those issues. He's going to drown those problems. He doesn't want us to live in the old life, but in the new. You are a new creation. So sometimes that presence of God actually thrusts us deeper 
to where ah, I can't breathe. That's the point. It's where we let go of our flesh, our sinful life, our natural life, and just say, I can't do this. But we're not supposed to. We can fight our way out of the depths, or we can just allow those waves of water to billow over us. The waves of His power, the waves of His love, the waves of His presence, billowing, crashing, knocking us around by in, as well but it's because of the sheer enormity of the power of that love that intense passion that he has for you as in the garden of Eden when Adam and Eve had sinned and they hid behind the bush thinking that their shame was too much for God to want to be with them anymore it was God who came looking you see even at the very beginning even at the catastrophe of the beginning of independence and rebellion who was it that went looking it was God and he hasn't stopped who was it that let the woman sit at his feet and wash his feet with her hair who was it that stood in front of all the stones, of all the right, un, righteous, in quotes, judgments, saying, stone me then? It was God himself. Who was it that said, I will die on a cross, nailed to it by the very hands I created? In suffering and pain and separation, I will do that. It was God himself. We can only love because he first loved us. And when we today still sin, God still comes looking. And he still says, like he says there in Genesis. In Genesis he says, Adam, man, people, where are you? He doesn't mean, I can't see you, you're behind a bush. This is God. He knows where they are. He means, where are you? Why are you hiding from me? I know that what you've done, but it's, I don't want you not next to me. And there's in the Hebrew a cry in that, oh Adam, where are you? Of anguish. Oh woe is me. Because to God, the woe is not that they, well, it's not just that they have sinned. The woe, the, 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 the hurt, the emotion is the separation. go back into the deep by day the Lord directs his love to me at night his song is with me a prayer to the God of my life let's move towards the end he recognises God as his stronghold. And even 
in the midst of saying, why have you rejected me? He knows he's not rejected because he says, I will go to the altar of God. Send forth your light and your truth. Jesus, let them guide me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, the most holy place, to the place where you dwell, the most holy place. And I will go to the altar of God, the most holy place, my joy and my delight, and I will praise you with the harp, O God, my God. So why are you downcast, O my soul? I don't understand myself. Why am I so disturbed within me? The psalmist finishes up with, I still don't know why I feel like this, but yet I will praise him for my Saviour and my God. For from this place I will begin my journey. I won't try and wait till I feel good. I won't try and wait till I feel good. I won't try and wait till I'm healed. I won't try and wait till my mind's working like I think it should be working. I won't try and wait till I feel accepted. I won't try and wait until I'm intelligent enough. I won't try and wait until I've read enough scriptures. I won't try and wait until I've done a degree in theology. I won't try and wait until I've talked to enough people about this issue. I won't try and wait until somebody has prayed the prayer over me. I won't try and wait until there's this marvellous encounter with God. However I am right now, I will praise Him. And that is maturity. That is a recognition of humanity and where we're going to go. Shall we stand again? I say stand because it's, it's like a collective thing of togetherness. God might then lead you to a completely different place, on your face, on your knees, sitting back down again. But we're going back now. We're going to go back now into this place of deepness where deep calls to deep in the roar of the waterfalls where are you? where are you? where are you?
Paul was writing to the church in Corinth in his second letter to them. And he's writing to a church that's a fabulous church, but it's got so many issues and problems and things going on that he's had to address all these. And yet there's still within him an excitement of the life that's going on in Corinth. I mean, it's to Corinth he writes a passage that's read at so many weddings about love. Love is patient, love is kind. And yet it's really about God and how that love is to manifest through us. But here at the end of the second letter, God has just, I believe, taken me to this as a way for us to finish today. Because we're going to pray for one another in a minute. And release this grace, this peace, this mercy over one another. Because you do have that robe of righteousness. And you are in that most holy place if you know the Lord. Now don't force somebody to pray with you if they don't want to. And don't force pray for someone else if they don't want want you to. We always respect one another's free choice. But these are the words. It's his final greetings. He says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. That's a good final word. Strive for full restoration. Strive for full restoration. Fight for it. Don't let things go because it's too hard. Strive for restoration. Put all your energies, all your efforts into it. If it's totally beyond you, it's supposed to be. But in Christ it isn't. Strive, says Paul, for full restoration. How do we do that then, Paul? Well, encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And may the God of love and peace be with you all. Greet one another with a holy kiss. That was a different culture. If I leap across these chairs and give Richard Stamper a big kiss now, he's probably going to be somewhat surprised. Oh, he's just sent me one. Thank you, Richard. But it's interesting, isn't it? That was, I suppose, the nearest equivalent we've got is a hug. It's, it's, it's affection for one another. Wow, isn't it amazing when the church doesn't just try and be church, but actually has affection for one another. Wow. All God's people here sends their greetings, says Paul. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. We often hear it, that last verse there, in many, many church services. But let's just think about it before we use it for one another. Because this is a prayer of power. This isn't just something that you trot out. Sometimes it's, you hear it, it's, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God. And everybody, quite often, people will sort of turn around on one another and, and nod at one another as in a gentle religious affirmation that you two are saying it. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not mocking it, really. I'm perhaps making a little bit of fun in a way because of the depth of what Paul is saying. This is the end of all that teaching that he's been given. He's saying, everything I've spoken to you, you can do in the grace 
of God. When I come over to Roy here and I pray to him, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. That's not just words that need a, hmm, that's lovely. This is words of power. When we speak words, we create in somebody else. When I'm praying, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ will be with him. Grace is favour. He's going to see favour right now because I've released it. And when we pray for one another in a minute, you need to be aware these are not empty words. These are words full of spiritual power. This is why we don't say it that often like some churches do because it's just too precious. It's worth a lot more than a Yes, this is lovely. This is just acknowledging that we're all Christians. This is that we are bound together. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God. So when I go up to Lauren here, and I'm praying, and the love of God be with you. My expectation, my faith is that today, even now, or even this week, she will experience God's love. It's not just words. May the love of God be with you. Do you see what I mean? And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit isn't the Holy Spirit hanging out with you. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit is the fellowship of the believers who are one in Christ. yet another reminder that the lone Christian is sadly missing out on everything God has most lone Christians end up as lone Christians because the church upsets them or has upset them in some way well it's supposed to we are supposed to be upset by one another so that we can grow past that because it teaches something of ourselves. Even if what that person does is completely and utterly wrong, God can give us the grace and the love to go beyond that. Even when the world says that's impossible, even when the world says that can never happen, the church is the place where people who are reconciled would never normally be reconciled. That is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. It's not a, oh, that's nice, you go to a church too. This is a, we are totally and completely in this together. And we can only do it because of the Holy Spirit. I can't go off and just do my own thing. We are in this by the Holy Spirit. Be with you all. We'll just say be with you because we're going to pray over just one another. So just spend a moment finding a partner who would like to pray this with you. I'm going to read it out a little bit at a time and so that you can repeat it after me so that you haven't got to have your Bible out in front of you. So just find somebody right now, pair up across the room, because this is how we're going to finish today. But this is not, or we say these words to say goodbye. 
We're saying these words to see the fullness of what God is doing today released in those persons' lives. Take a look around you. If there's anybody that's not got anybody with them and they're wanting somebody, make a threesome. Make sure nobody's left on their own. Hallelujah. Martin and Peter, would you mind, do you want someone to pray with you, Kevin? Yeah? Hallelujah. Musicians together, sound team together. Hallelujah. Now, if you're comfortable with this, and it's a good thing to be, lay hands on one another like this. If you're in a two, you can lay both hands. If you're in a three, you can form a mini circle. Because touch is important. Method of communication and touch prophetically says, I'm releasing this from God to you. Hallelujah. David, do you need someone to pray with you? Oh, you've got Daniel there and Hannah, sorry. They're hiding. Okay. Just now be ready. Because when you pray, what I see happening is everything we've been talking about, it's like God's going to just release that in fullness into that person. You are the minister from God right now to that other person or those other two people that you're with. There is going to be impartation. Too often we pray thinking that it's just words. There's impartation. You will be releasing grace and favour. You will be releasing an experience of God's love. first bit you're going to release is this may the grace and favour of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you may the grace and favour of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you may the love of God be with you and may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you Amen. And I just pray over us all. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of us. Both this moment, both the rest of this day and going into the rest of this week, month and year. Father, we thank you for a continuous and continual and increasing outpouring of your grace, of your favour and of your love and an increasing and a developing of closeness and passion in terms of our fellowship with one another in the Holy Spirit. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, everybody. Now, just before you go, one thing I ask that you could do today, if, if it's possible is to see Jonathan. Is he there? John, can you just come down the front again, just because there's some people here this morning that weren't here before, might not know you. If you stand up there. You'll know John when you see him, but you might not have realised he was John Begin. Some of you know him too well. (laughs) Can I remind you that we have, in part of this continuing experience of impartation from God, we have at the end of next month, 
this 18. It's going to be very significant. And the number of people that have heard that from God is incredible. It's going to be a very significant weekend. I don't know in what way particularly, but I know it's going to be increasing encounter and change with God and putting us into another place. Uh, but you need to see John to give him your names so that you know you're going to get tickets and that you've reserved your place to be there. Okay? So make sure you see this man here at church. You can book online, but he will enable you to make a donation that means it's not as expensive as online because you're already part of this fellowship. Okay? So see John and he will enable you to get that sorted. Okay? Be blessed, everybody. Have an absolutely awesome week. Take this presence with you and share it wherever you go. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.